welcome to the last episode of 2022 for Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bright, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and I will be recommending a Christmas romance movie. And I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review in Smart Bitches Trashy Books. This week, I am recommending a holiday romance novel. If you would like to support the show, there's links in our show notes where you can contribute to our coffee or sign up for our newsletter, or you can even just tell a friend about us if you think they need more queer media recommendations in their life. Speaking of queer media things that we can recommend to people, Chris Bryant, you have a new book coming out soon. What is she? Tell us all about her and where people can get it. So it is called Catch and it is, I, I just, I love this book. It is about a, uh, an NFL offensive coordinator, a female offensive coordinator, the first one in the NFL. And uh, it's kind of a second chance romance. It's a past present meeting in high school and then meeting up later in life. It just has the background of the NFL, which will appeal to all the sporties out there who like sports, which I love sports and I love football. So I decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a story about a love affair interest and um, Mm -hmm. have it in the NFL because Women are really coming up in the NFL. We have so many women refs. We have women coaches, women trainers. I think we have one female owner. Well, that's cool. Right. So after doing a lot of research and just loving football, and I'm from Kansas City where Patrick Mahomes is, and fight me on this, but he's, you know, the goat. I just said, you know, I love football so much. I'm just going to write a book about it. And anyway, Uh it comes out, it drops with Bold Strokes Books on January 1st, and then through the other platforms where you buy books, January 11th, I think, is the general release day for it. So I'm pretty excited. And I've I've been sending them out. People can pre-order through me. And so I've been sending them out. And so it's it's nice to get feedback already. You know, I like to get feedback, um, you know, because this is a really you know, tense time is right before a book is, is released to the world when the reviewers get it. And so it's nice to, to see how people are, are how, how they handle it, how they take it, if they like it, if they follow it, if they understand it. Does it matter if you don't know anything about football asking for a friend? <laughs> it, Name me. <laughs> yeah. So it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't take away from the story, uh, but it does enhance it. So you can read through mm-hmm. it. It's like soccer. I know nothing of soccer. I really don't. But I can read a book about soccer. And I understand that we're building a relationship in a book about soccer. So it doesn't take away from it, you know, at all. It's like reading a sci-fi book. You know, none of these things really exist, but you can follow along. Right? Right? I sort mean. Of? Sort of. Usually. Usually. Sort of. <laughs> uh, there was one sports romance i think it was i'm almost positive it was a tennis romance and i had the hardest time following well i didn't have a hard time following the romance like that part was super easy Mm -hmm. so because that was not it that it was not like the tennis ball was in a romance or anything it was still two women (laughs) but like there was so much of tennis where i think if you're a big tennis fan it would have been really exciting actually not even i think i know this because one of my other good friends is like the biggest of tennis nerds and was so excited about this book when i told her about it but then i was like that's cool so like did it make sense if you know yes tennis? and she was like <laughs> yes but not so much to me so now i kind of like to check sometimes for sports romances right. just to see so let me tell you a little story my editor she calls them sports balls she knows zero about sports <laughs> and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she during edits she's like you know what you know a lot about football and this isn't a football book. It's a romance. So I'm going to take out like 10,000 words. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> because sometimes, you know, you get excited and you get in the moment. Mm-hmm. And you realize that there's going to be a handful of people who really dig it. And then you realize 90% of the people are here for a romance, not about football. Mm-hmm. So that got, really, it got cut by uh, 10,000 words. That's interesting. Yeah, I think it's the difference between like, is the sport like wallpaper? Or is it a character? Right. I it want it to not. be wallpaper. Yeah, it's, it's not a character. Wallpaper. You know, but it's so exciting when you get when you write about something you love and you're passionate about it. It's hard to to keep that in mind that this is a romance. It is not like you said that the sports should not be an extra character. 
And it really isn't. So Mm -hmm. I think it turned out well. I think the editor, I have two editors. One loves football and the other one can't stand it. So together we all worked and we made this thing work. Answer is no. So I challenge you to read my book. All right. I'm going to do it (laughs) when it's out. Everybody join me. Pre-order this book. (laughs) Yes. So tell me, did you all check Mm -hmm. out our bonus episode last week? Where we had. Oh my goodness. I know. It was amazing. What if they haven't? Should we still tell everybody? Yes. Oh my goodness. You absolutely should. Okay. It was so funny because I watched (laughs) The Big Brunch first. And as I acknowledged in our last regular episode, I was too excited to wait. Mm -hmm. I just had to. I'm going to recommend it now because it's going to be two months for the rest of these episodes to come out. And I can't wait that long. And (laughs) no, that wasn't the case. But I think the thing that was great about it was that it meant that, like, when I had the rest of my thoughts fully gathered, you had watched it, too. Yes. I loved it. Loved it. Oh, it, like, we both loved it so much. And I think, like, I don't think there was anybody in the show that we didn't like. Like, right. everybody is great. But, like, for me, I loved Katie and Jake. Right. Like, love, 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 love. I mean, I also love Daniel. You know, he was so wonderful. Uh, actually, I'm just going to end up saying that about the whole cast. But like, I love, <laughs> but for me, my favorites were Katie and Jay. Because of course, it's going to be like, who are the openly, visibly queer characters that we really get to know? Uh, you know, I was excited to get that Canadian representation too right. from, from Jay. And it was so funny because you and I had been saying, man, wouldn't it be cool? if we could talk to either of them and i think that is the fastest like from saying a wish right to having it come true <laughs> it was like two minutes you're like hey guess what <laughs> right like and i mean fast. like in my life other I, I, because like snacks don't count i mean i've made lots of like i wish and then it's like yeah you can have that shit delivered to your house that's fine so like non-snack related it was so cool because we posted a clip to instagram and katie said hey i love podcasts would love to be on your podcast and my heart almost stopped (laughs) and then i sent that note to you yes i don't know if your heart almost stopped (laughs) i I actually laughed i laughed because i knew that you were so excited about this so excited and so i just i laughed and then it just got better it just got bigger and better from there yes yeah it was wild because i mean I kind of, I don't even know why I said it in the email, but I was emailing with Katie and said, yeah, Chris and I had been talking about how great it would be to talk to you or Jay. And then for Katie to say, I bet Jay would want to do this. Mm-hmm. And so I think my favorite thing about that conversation, I mean, all of it was great. It was so great to talk to them. But I think my favorite thing was seeing how much they clearly love each other. Right. What about you? What was my favorite part? Yeah. Well, let's see. When you found out and your excitement, your your utter excitement about this was just so it was so sweet because normally you're I think you're very, dare I say, professional about things. You're very <laughs> you're very calm. You know, you're very calm mm-hmm. about things. And you were just like a little kid. You were just so excited. And so and to see that, to see and did to, to hear you just be like oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Can you believe this is the best thing that's ever happened? Oh my gosh. So it was really, I love that part. And then when we actually had our conversation, it was, it was, they fed off of each other so well. There was no over-talking, overlapping. They just had, you could tell they had so much respect and love for each other. And I think that goes for the whole cast, the way they, they were talking. They just loved, everybody loved everybody. And it came through on screen. It really did. Yeah, I agree. So if you haven't listened to it, I really would say please go back and give it a listen because they are so lovely. Right. They're just truly that was that was I think one of the most fun conversations I've had this year. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it too. You know, and you know me, I, I'm a foodie, or I pretend to be and I watch all the yes. shows. You know this. Yes. I wrote a book about it. You did. you did. And yeah, it was just it was so much fun. So I I didn't feel like Anything was going too fast, you know, moving. Sometimes conversations get, mm-hmm. the, it, everybody was on track. 
We all kept it about food. I think you only had to hurt us a couple times, maybe once. Um, <laughs> hurt us back to the conversation. But yeah, it was just, it was so, it was so lovely. I had a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good job. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you, Jay and Katie, if either of you are still listening to the show. Thanks for joining us. Yes. That was a super fun time. It really was. So, Chris, what have you been watching or reading lately? What's going on? Okay. So, I finished the final episode of The White Lotus Dropped. Is it ever or is it just the most recent season? Just the most recent season. So, it's not queer and it's super weird and I still I still feel off watching it. It's it's kind of creepy. You know, it's a kind of cre- this season was a little creepy and I just feel like unsettled. I feel I want you to watch this and tell me what you think about oh. this. Yeah, it's one of those where it's it's quick. I think it's only seven episodes. So last night when I queued it up in my DVR, I was like, oh, the, coming up is the final episode for this or the season finale of blah, blah, blah. And I was shocked, mm-hmm. you know. But see, they kind of tell you that something weird's going to happen in the, you know, from the previews, you know, this season on The White Lotus. And you kind of get clips of things. And so you know something terrible happens. You just don't know what it is. And mm-hmm. so I do. I feel I don't, it's not dirty. either. I, I just I feel unsettled. So but I watched it to the bitter end because I'm a loyalist to TV shows. So you're going to do this again next season? I know I am. <laughs> Probably. This is going to be you like 15 seasons into The Handmaid's Tale. Right. It's still horrible. It's still horrible, but God, I can't stop watching. Right. I can't stop watching, but at least one more bad guy got stabbed right. in the neck. Yeah. <laughs> this is something. <laughs> yeah. So I'm there for justice, I guess. Whatever. And I started mm-hmm. Wednesday from uh, on Netflix, uh, The Addams Family. How's Wednesday. that? I've been seeing a lot of people saying it's super it is gay like big time shipping so it's i really like i just i'm only on like maybe the third episode maybe so i've only seen the first two episodes and i really like it but here's something that you don't know about me is i've never seen Mm -hmm. the adams family i never watched it me neither oh okay cool cool so i mean i saw i saw the movie with christina ricci when it came out like i don't know how Mm -hmm. how old were we like two i did see it then Mm mm-hmm so I I don't really know the backgrounds of all the characters. I don't know who they are, but mm-hmm. uh, but Catherine Zeta Jones is is um, the mom. <laughs> oh, all right. Like she has been on my top ten list, or t- yeah, top ten, like forever mm-hmm. for a really long time. So like, why wouldn't she be? But anyway. Oh yeah, understandable. Yes. <laughs> so Wednesday. So I'm gonna pick that back up, and then here's something amazing. So I'm watching. The L words Generation Q, and mm-hmm. I don't know what episode we're on. I don't know because it's a weekly thing too, which I don't know why they do this anymore. World has changed, but the <laughs> the coolest thing happened. So, did you watch the original L word like ten, fifteen years ago, thirteen years oh, ago? Oh man, I watched at least the first two seasons, but I watched all of those in the middle of the night while nursing a newborn baby so let's just say it's a gigantic blur because <laughs> i don't remember very much of what happened then all i remember is how much i hated jenny oh everybody hated jenny oh my yeah goodness, exactly yeah. like everybody <laughs> i didn't feel like unique or special in that or right, anything no. but like oh no did she come back in the new no one? she's dead i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry to tell oh. you this she's dead no don't don't be sorry this is I mean, she's not a real person, so, so this is great news. <laughs> this is great news, and they covered it up. Everybody said they didn't know what happened. How do you not know this? Oh, my goodness. Was was it, Well, I told you, I only watched two and a half <laughs> seasons. I had like, a newborn. We have Catch the internet. How'd she die? Like, <laughs> like the internet. Like, what happened? I'm curious to know what happened. I want to say Alice killed her. I can't remember for sure. It's been Way a long go, time. Alice. I know, Alice. Way to go. I'll, I'll go look <laughs> it up later. You're right. Yes. I should have looked it up. 11 years ago right. when I was watching it. Actually, it would have been you could have been almost exactly it. 11 years ago. Well, I think this season, the season I'm referring, well, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you what's happening. So Max is okay. back. Do you know who Max is? Hold, please. Uh, oh, you're going to look. I'm just doing a quick Google search. Uh-huh. Yeah, I need to. Oh, 
No, I don't think I made oh, it. You didn't make it to that Max. far in the series. Like the face looked kind of familiar. Yeah. They actually showed Max's transition, and it was so. Um, how do I want to say? It was so advanced. Like mm-hmm. nothing like that has been shown on television. You know, this was like I said, like fifteen years ago. Look that up. You have the thingy. <laughs> you have the internet. Look it up, uh, please. That's right. Yes, I'm looking it up. Thank you. So so they had Max, who was transitioning, but they didn't really follow through with their storyline. Like, they left everybody hanging. Like, they showed, oh. like, what happens. And, like, it was kind of a, um, how do I want to say it? It's, it, was, it was kind of educational. A lot of people didn't know. And mm-hmm. it was bringing it in front of an audience so that, so that it was a, this is what happens. This is our trans yeah. family. We support everybody. But then they just, they pulled it. They just abandoned Max, like forever. Just Max's, nobody knows what happened to Max. One of those. Yeah. But they brought Max back. And so now we have closure. We have Max's happy, Max's, am I ruining this? No, I'm not ruining this. Like, you have no. time. People have time by now. Like, I am caught up. And by the time this airs. Yeah. And my, f- I, th- I think it was either on Twitter I saw or my phone recommended an article or something where they were like, Blah, blah, blah. Iconic trans character from the L word is back. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it got me excited because I was so invested in Max's storyline. And they just, they just dropped it. Dropped the ball. Is it the same? Is it the same same, actor? Yes. Everything. Everything. It's amazing. It's, and it was just like, it was such a, oh my goodness. Like I had a little flutter. I was like, oh my goodness, we're finally getting Max's story and Max's happy ending. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. So everything else is shit on that show, except for that. (laughs) But again, I'm going to watch it because I'm loyal. loyal. (laughs) No, I'm not loyal to lots of things, but goddamn it, television shows and movies I am. Mm -hmm. And then. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about this. I know we have to talk about this, but I right. I rewatched 2009's Avatar. And does it hold up? It does it not wasn't hold good up. Then. It, I'm guessing it does good not now. hold up. It does not. So I have faith that the movie that comes out or is out now, the water, mm-hmm. Avatar water, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. that that will do a better job. I don't know how. I mean, I don't know how they it's hard could... to do a worse job. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, okay. Does do the graphics hold up? The graphics hold up Probably. incredibly. Yeah, the gra- cinematography and everything is great. It still holds up. Like, okay, it's still it was still visually beautiful to watch. Okay, so just you know the story itself. I was to say everything, but the story, everything, and the dialogue, yeah. <laughs> dialogue, story, everything is great. It's, yeah, is is I mean everything. But that is great. Like, just visually, mm-hmm, it was just, mm-hmm. it's still a beautiful movie, for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, that's what I did. That as that has kept me busy, for sure. So, what I about you? I don't think I have it. In, I don't think I have it in me <laughs> to rewatch Yeah, maybe, maybe not watch that, but uh, maybe you need to watch The White Lotus instead. It's about the same amount of time, because Avatar is like three hours. <laughs> like three hours. And the new one is like three and a half hours. No. Yeah. I, no. I can't imagine sitting in a theater for three and a half hours. No, I'm going to wait until I can rent it. Like, at yes. home. Because, yeah, I need to pause and go to the bathroom and get something to drink and eat. And I don't want to have to, like, yeah. race to go. I ha- That's the one thing I hate about movie theaters is that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't pause it and say, and then you have to come back and say what I miss. And everybody's like, shh, shh, shh. So it's just, it's not fun for me. It's too stressful. Yeah. I feel like if a movie is that long, that's a sign of like a self-indulgent right. director. <laughs> Who? James Cameron? <laughs> well, so yeah, you know? Hmm. You know, this is really weird. I was I, I started Andor, like you said. I started it. Oh yeah. And so I watched, you know, the the whole Star Wars, you know, the beginning of it. And I'm just like, how much money does Steven Spielberg have? I'm curious. Hmm. Uh-huh. I'm curious. What Did his... you look it up? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm I'm lazy. Like, well, we have the we still don't know. <laughs> we have the internet. I think the answer is a lot. A lot. And I, I have to. I wondered is he is he richer than Cameron? What do you think? I mean, I don't know. Well, that's something I'll have to Google for another time. So, 
or maybe now. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's a good question because they've both done like absolutely iconic right. things. Right. Like I- ignoring the do they hold up, do they, you know, all that. But like they've both worked on these like incredible blockbusters. Right. I mean, for sure they are the director uh, directors of our time. For sure. Right? No. No? I'm a, I'm a baby. I'm, I'm too baby. young for <laughs> <laughs> well let's see steven spielberg's had quite a bit besides star wars you know didn't didn't he do all the indiana joneses too oh yeah 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 he did he did the indiana jones uh he did i mean he did tons of stuff but indiana jones i think is among the biggest i'm i am googling this right he did now. et oh yeah well et was like 1981 or something that was a long. That was time actually ago. the first movie. That was actually the first movie I saw in the theater. Really? Yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't first run or anything like that. But the town that I grew up in is this like tiny town in Ontario, not too far from the Detroit border. And so when I was little, little one of the uh, one of the the only mall in town <laughs> had a movie theater, and I think it would run stuff that was like relatively recent, but not like new in theaters. Blah blah blah. blah. And so my aunt Mary took me, at least one of my cousins. I can't remember if she took my younger brother or not. I only had one brother at the time, and. Like, I was into it. It was interesting. But then when it got to the part where E.T. is hooked up to all the monitors and stuff, mm-hmm. I freaked That's when he got the scared. fuck out. <laughs> yes, that is when I got scared. I was not okay. <laughs> it was not a good time. And yeah, that's one of my first memories is mm. being scared of E.T., being hooked up to all the shit. Well, that sucks. And so do I, because George Lucas, come on. Mm. With mm. a network of roughly 7.62 billion george lucas that's lucas star wars hello is the wealthiest Mm -hmm, film director mm -hmm. in the world followed by steven spielberg at 5.41 billion and james cameron Mm -hmm. is the fifth richest film director in the world with 700 million fortune but this is back in 2020 but you know i mean that that'll change with avatar i'm sure Mm, yeah probably maybe so now i gotta look at all the steven spielberg I got to figure this out. It doesn't matter. I'll, this is my own personal journey. I need to take it off the podcast and let's get back to the podcast. So what about you? What have you been watching, reading, drawing, listening to? All right. I've been watching a few things. The first is Drink Masters, which is on Netflix. Have you checked it out or have I you have heard of not, it? I've seen it. I saw it as a choice, but I have not done anything about it. I didn't know if it was good or not. So one of my coworkers asked if I'd seen it. I think she knows that I like, well, actually I had been talking to her about the big brunch and she knew I like that. And I said, oh, is it good? And she said, it's a really great show to watch while you're on the treadmill. And I was like, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> not totally sure what that means. But I wanted to watch something kind of like, I want. I wanted to have something on, but like something that I knew was going to be pretty chill, pretty low stress. And I find competition cooking shows are often like that for me. <laughs> and, you know, it actually has more cooking in it than I would have expected. I don't know anything wow. about mixology, but I guess there's been, it's actually like a good show to learn about that from where they, they've been talking about like, trends in mixology to include more fresh ingredients, like gone are the days of preserved fruit juices going into you know alcoholic mixes and stuff like that so this show like yes they have a bar but they also have a kitchen where they can go and cook down kind of whatever they need to which is pretty cool there are a couple of queer contestants in it so that's kind of fun and nice and they actually get paired together in a challenge in the i think it's the third episode and it's so sweet because like clearly they've I mean, they've bonded. I mean, that's kind of what happens, right? When you're when there's two queer people in yeah, a room with gonna, a bunch of straight people, you're gonna find one another. You're gonna find one another. That's just how that goes. So yeah, I'm having fun with it. It's a. It's definitely. Uh, I could see myself watching it while on a treadmill, <laughs> but also I just watch it say when I'm hanging out. So that's kind of a nice thing. I might try it. Last time I mentioned that the third season of We're Here has started. Yes. And now I've watched the first couple of episodes and I've got to say, Chris, I think that when it comes to queer representation on the TV, 
We're Here might be the most important show that's on right now. I mean, I, of course, fundamentally believe that all queer representation is important. I mean, that's part of why we're here and why we do what we do with this podcast. But they're doing something really, really special with it. So for people that don't know what we're here is yet, it is a show with three drag queens, Eureka O'Hara, Bob the Drag Queen, and Shangela, all of which became pretty famous because of RuPaul's Drag Race. Bob won season, I think, eight. Eureka was on three or four seasons. Shangela was on three seasons. And they go around to small towns all across the U.S. And they put on drag shows where each of them has a new drag child. Like it's a local that is put into drag and performs for, you know, people in their community. And so in a way, it's, I would say, it's, I've been just, I've started describing it as it's a makeover show, but it's much more about an internal or an emotional makeover than it is about the actual physical. Because I mean, most of these people are probably not getting in drag again after they do this show. You know, sometimes the people being put in drag are prominent members of their community that are straight. So they might be a local politician. There's been like a pastor who wanted to do it both because he wanted the people in his church to know that, you know, queer people are welcome, but also because his daughter is, oof, I'm trying to remember. I think she's bi. Um, And so he's really, you know, he's doing this for his daughter. And unfortunately, he got driven out of his church, which is so sad and so wrong because he did the show. Sometimes it's queer people getting in drag for various reasons, sometimes because they're trying to sort of work through hard feelings about being queer, because as we all know too well, unfortunately, there are some places where it's just not that safe to be queer in the US. Do they actually, do they sign up for it? Or is it just like some random, hey, I mean, hey, you look like you... Well, they agree to it somehow. But I don't actually know anything about what the casting process is like. So I don't know if there's just like an open call that goes out in the community or if there's... Well, there was one case. I I think we talked about this last year. The episode in Branson, Missouri. Yeah. And I think it was the... There was this one young man. Oh, man. So heartbreaking when I was watching it. He had gone to some other city... And and he was gay and he had been like living his gay life. And then he became a born again Christian. And now he was saying that he wasn't gay anymore because he knows that that's a sin. Mm -hmm. And his mom, all she wanted was for him to love himself as he is. And it was so beautiful because by the end of the episode, they followed up by saying basically like, yeah, he he acknowledges now that he is gay, which is so it's so great. You know, there was another episode. In this tiny town, I think it was in Nebraska, and it was this man, he's married He's married to a woman, um, but he is, you know, he's bi, and cross-dressing makes him happy, but he didn't feel like it was safe. And so this was, again, kind of like a let's go out, let's do this, can you accept yourself? So season three, though, it's do- it's the same mission. It's doing the same things. But the first episode takes place in Granbury, Texas. Do you oh, know about Granbury? I just, you said Texas, and yeah, the whole, yes. Granbury is one of the towns in Texas where they've been banning certain LGBTQ books from schools. We talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. And in this episode, they get into that. They talk about the school banning the books. They talk about Shangela was going to do a drag story time and they had to actually move locations because there was a physical threat. Mm Mm-hmm. And so the end, and it was amazing because there was another member of the community that said, bring it to my store. And they showed it. It's truly just a drag queen, a reading. Right. A book. That's the whole thing on Twitter. Like they have Kirk, what's his name? Kirk Cameron. Mm-hmm. The kid, I say kid, like the over-religious yeah, was... dude from. Oh, yeah. Um, wow. What was that show? What was that show? Growing Pains. Growing Pains. Yes. Thank you. And he wanted to read his religious book and the library said no and then it like blew up everybody was like Mm -hmm. oh yeah don't put you don't we can't use books to sway children you know we don't want trans people reading we don't want queer people we don't want drag queens reading to the kids but then again we also don't want these religious 
highly religious people to put their agenda on our children either. So it was just, it was an interesting, it is an interesting topic that's going on on everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, all those uh-huh. social platforms, social media platforms. That's the thing that I really appreciated about this episode because I felt like it took so much of the conversation that I'm seeing online because there was that. There were other, there was a lot of backlash in the community's Facebook about drag queens even coming to town for this. There were people saying, but at the same time, like it was the way they, they pulled the story together for it. Because there is a there is a bit of a narrative to every episode, right? right? There's you the queens meeting their new drag children, talking about their circumstances. Why do you want to do this? Um, all that, and I think they did a really good job of showing what the threat is and how much worse and uncomfortable it can be for queer people, especially depending on where you're mm-hmm. at. I think one of the parts that really got me the most was that one of the performers is a non-binary kid going to the local high school i'm under the impression that they're probably nearer to the end of high school like they didn't seem like they're like you know whatever you call that first year of high school in the in the u.s but their parents Mm. because their parents are super 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 supportive of their journey because they're very like they started the gsa in their school they are very kind of openly queer and like they're so supportive, which is so beautiful. But then the mom gets into talking about how scared she is for them. And like as a parent, right. I get it. That that shit is scary. And so I think that's one of the most important hours of television that aired this year. The way it showed that First of all, drag queens are not that scary. No. They're not grooming kids. No. They're just performers. They're just right. entertainers. Not as if not not to like denigrate or lessen what it means to be a performer or an entertainer, but I guess what I'm saying is like they are entertainers. They are performers. Right. They are not perverts. They are not there trying to fuck anything up. Like really getting that message across that like we're all just trying to live in our own ways. We're all just trying to thrive. And I just thought it was so powerful. And then, and I, oh my God, I cried like a baby Aww. through that episode. I cried all over the place. So, I mean, that's the other warning. If you haven't seen We're Here yet, like keep tissues nearby. You're going to need them. <laughs> um, and I went to watch the second episode and was like, mm, maybe not today. Because the second episode takes place in Jackson, Mississippi. Mississippi. And I was like, well, this is probably not going to be the happiest episode ever. And it actually turns out, oh. like for me anyway, I found it to be a much, much, much chiller episode. There, There is a little bit like someone on the street is preaching at them and is a real shithead about it. Well, Jackson, Mississippi. I've been there. Yeah. It's, they do not like queers. Yeah. Yeah. I got the sense that it was real Bible thumping territory. And it's, it's, I mean, Mississippi's not very big. And there aren't really, very many large cities in Mississippi. And Jackson is one of the biggest cities, bigger cities. Mm. Just, just mm-hmm. so you have an idea, a sense of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that episode was very good. Yeah, I found it much easier to watch. But it was funny because I was like, oh, all right, I'm not crying. This is great. I don't, I mean, I don't always cry during We're Here. Maybe this is the ones I'm not going to cry. And then we got to the performance section. And there was one person in particular, he almost backed out from doing it. And he's the one, like, of the three that were performing that week. No, he was one of the two of the three that were performing that week. That is queer, but he was the one that was having the hardest time with being gay. Not everybody in his family is super welcoming, although his cousins are incredible and we get to meet his cousins and I just, I love them so much. Um, But when it's time for him to perform, it's one of the best drag performances I think I've ever seen. It was fucking incredible. I got chills. I cried. (laughs) It was like, it was like. He took all of his anxiety about the experience and channeled it into the performance. And it was just so powerful and so epic. So, yeah, it was just gorgeous. So if you haven't watched We're Here, please watch it. Please support this show. It is doing so much good, necessary work. It is so important. And on the teeniest, tiniest possible chance 
that anyone connected with this show, whether it is Bob the Drag Queen, Shangela, Eureka, whether it's an executive producer, whether it's one of the makeup artists, anybody, anybody, if any of you would be interested in coming on the show, please, please, please tag us on any social media <laughs> platform you like right. or email podcast at queerlyrecommended.com because we would love to talk to you because just thank you yeah. for what you're doing. We need this so much. Yeah. And then the last thing I watched was something that you actually recommended last year. Yeah. Do you remember when we did our big ass <laughs> all the Christmas movies and books extravaganza episode? Yes, I remember it well. Yeah, so I remember recording the episode, but clearly I didn't remember what all of your recommendations were because I was like, Chris, 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 we should watch this movie. And you were like, uh, I'm pretty sure I did watch this movie. And I was like, hmm. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, not only did you watch it, but you liked it. I did. It was good. You did. It was great. It's called The Christmas Setup. It has two dudes I've never seen before. And Fran Drescher plays one of their mothers. And so the idea is that she kind of arranges so her her baby boy comes back to town. And it's so funny because it takes place in Philadelphia, but they make it sound like it's this, but they make it seem like a small town movie, <laughs> yeah. I suppose. Like, I guess Philadelphia is a smaller town than like New York City, right. um, but it's not what I would call a small town per se. And she arranges many times for him <laughs> to bump into his high school crush and... I thought it was super cute. Yeah. That, here's the good news. So we are yeah. seeing an upswing of queer Christmas movies. Mm -hmm. Not all of them are great. No. No. <laughs> no. Some of them are quite bad. I actually, like, I've had people send me links, you know, like top 10 films, you know, queer films, yeah. Christmas movies, blah, blah, blah. And I will start them and I will stop them. Yeah. And so you came through for me and said, hey, why don't you watch this movie? Or this one sounds good. We're watching it. It's really, really cute. So my official. So Chris. Oh, ah, yes. <laughs> so Chris, yes. speaking of which, what is your official recommendation this week? So thanks to you, my official recommendation this week is a movie called Under the Christmas Tree. I fucking love this movie. It was like truly. So I also was one of the people sending you a list of movies. Yes. And I think you went through a bunch of them. You were like, oh, my God, fuck my life. This There's is... a bunch of garbage on this list. <laughs> and for me, I skipped down to there were only two that I was like, oh, need to see. And there was one I still haven't watched yet. I don't even know if it's any good. But Andy McDowell. I started it. Is, in, is it bad? You know, it's not bad. It, it's just not great. And the only reason why I was I start I probably got maybe 30 minutes into it and the only reason why i stopped it is because it's christmas in colorado and there should be snow everywhere and it was like green grass and it was filmed during summertime and it was just hard oh. to get into it was, yeah. it was just hard to get into it because and and the the main character so andy mcdowell she has this ranch in colorado and her son has been paying the mortgage and the property taxes. And he decides to go back for Christmas and tell her, like, hey, it'll be a lot more profitable if we sell this place because it's tanking. It is a money pit. He was, like, saying all the things bad about it. And he was just kind of a jerk the whole time. And so this ranch hand that she hires who lives on the property, he's, you know, kind of carefree and, and you know, he's friends with the mom and the son gets a little jealous. and. But Andy McDowell does a great job. I mean, she's a great actress. She always has been. So she was the name in that in that uh, movie for sure. But I just didn't like, like some of it you could tell was like, not even fake snow. It was like CGR, or like, or was it a CGI? I'm sorry, oh, CGI. No. Yeah, like snow, like there'd be green grass and like little pits of snow. And I'm just like, I, I can't, if I'm not feeling it, like I have to be, at least try, like wear heavy clothes That's and it's Colorado. I mostly wanted to see it for her because she looks like a total babe in the car. Yeah. And she's, you know, she's a mom and she's a mom that's probably in her 60s and she has the gray hair and she's just beautiful. And, and so I, I stayed with it for 30 minutes and then I'm like, I don't have time. What a disappointment. Yeah. So. So the other one that called to me from this list was this yes. one. 
because I was like, well, obviously I have to watch the one with the lesbians. Right. Because <laughs> I've already seen Happiest Season and you can hear me bitch about it in whatever episode we talked <laughs> about it last year. You can hear us both bitch right. about it that was... in that episode. And then there was the one... They had that one season of love from Telefilms on there. I was like, I'm not going to sign up for another service. Yeah, I have but too this many. One, this one's cute. I could yeah. buy it. Yeah, so if Canadians want to watch it, you can watch it on CTV. But, like, I loved it so much, and I was so excited that I was like, Chris, 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 watch this movie! It's like a Dom's in it. Yeah, so back to Under the Christmas Tree. Let me go ahead and tell you that uh, it's the first Lifetime movie centered around a lesbian couple. Did you know that? Yay! Yay! Way to go, Lifetime. About fucking time. Yes, and... About fucking Lifetime. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, stop. So bad. Stop. So bad. <laughs> that was bad. And here's the thing. Like, I have mentioned this in the past, that Lifetime has always has a twist. Like, their movies are never just, like, a romance. There's, like, a murder or there's, like, a stalker. It's never just, like, a sweet romance. And this one is a sweet romance. There was nothing bad yeah. in it. It was just pure sweet. Pure sugar. It was wonderful. Right. Uh, I mean, it really was. It was as hallmarky, so to speak, as it could possibly be. There, it was beautiful. Yeah. So it says, "Here's the like little blurb." It says, uh, "Romantic sparks fly between Alma and Charlie when Charlie finds the perfect tree for the Maine governor's Maine, as in the state Maine governor's holiday celebration, right in Alma's backyard." So, so here's the good thing. So, like this, the characters had chemistry. That is so hard to find in Christmas yes. queer movies. It really is. And I'm pr- like, I know that Alma is, it Al- I, I want to say Alma, but I think it might be Alma. I don't know. But I, I say Alma because I'm thinking Alma. Think yeah. She's not a real person. She is not a real, but she's played by Elise Bauman, who is a bisexual. And my mm-hmm. future wife happens to play Charlie, Tatiana Jones. She is my Gorgeous. perfect person ever. Gorgeous. Like, like just sexy. Not just, but just the way that she carries herself. I mean, that is like that confidence, but not cocky, but like right on the border. Like, that's hot. Like, that is hot. And she can wear a button down shirt. Yeah, she can. Like nobody. (laughs) (laughs) And it was so funny. What you're saying is she can get it. She can. Yeah, exactly. She's like, I just, I just thought it was great chemistry between them. So basically what the story is, is, is Alma is inheriting her, her family's Christmas business. Her parents are getting ready mm-hmm. to retire. And so they have like, they want to hire this company that's going to come in and change things. And like, she's fighting change as it is. I mean, it's hard enough for her to know that her yes. parents are leaving and retiring down to Florida or Arizona. It was Arizona. That's right. As I thought it was Florida, but I think they're, they're going to Arizona. I think the parents are retiring to Florida, but they also are going to be. I can't tell if it's that they're expanding operations to something Arizona or, or if they transferring have it over some something. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, I could. I didn't care. Like I didn't care about what there the was reason. Too much yeah. about the consultants. <laughs> Nobody cared about them. It was about the romance. Like we were in it mm-hmm. for the girls. Yeah. So basically, she is the Christmas whisperer. Like everything she does is Christmas. It's beautiful. She she always yes. picks the right things. Like what what can we sell? And she's just mm-hmm. she's just perfect for Christmas. And so Charlie is from the governor's office and they have to find the governor's tree. And it just so happens to be literally the big tree for the town that they light up every year. And it's uh, that's under the Christmas mm-hmm. tree. Alma explains that, you know, she wanted to get married under the Christmas tree. And so but Charlie comes in and she wants this and she tells her boss, I'm going to get you this tree. So. And you know how how you kind of t- not really tr- not trash talk, but you're kind of like, oh yeah, I'm gonna use my charm and get this person, like me, oh, like yeah. oh yeah, it's my future wife. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> sure, sure. So that kind of talk happens, and Alma overhears it, and so she's she's kind of afraid that you know it's all been just to get the tree. You know, their their chemistry, their connection yeah. is all for the tree, but that's not true because Charlie really likes her. Yes. Yeah, so I will mm-hmm. say this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Ricky mm-hmm, Lake mm-hmm. was the draw in this movie. Like like the name yeah, she draw. Was the, she was the, the, big the hook. Name. She was the hook. And she had no business at all being in the movie. Like she brought <laughs> zero to the storyline. Like literally, it was like there was a different movie going on that was happening at the same time. Yeah. Really. You're right. Oh my god. It, well, it was so weird because <laughs> it, so it sounds random. like it sounded like she and Alma were in business together. 
sort of, or they had talked about being in business right. together. But then, so Ricky Lake plays the local baker, and she's supposed to be this, like, really notable baker, but more from, like, a, um, more like an online influencer kind of thing, rather than, like, she didn't, it's not like she's, like, a Bobby Flay, or not that Bobby Flay's a baker, but, you know, like, somebody who's had a big cooking right. show or anything like that. But it, she was notable enough that, like, the person that was working with Charlie made his sourdough starter based on her recipe. And I'm like, what the I, fuck? Like, I think that, it felt like she was there mostly <laughs> for him. Right. To fawn over, which was a bit of a weird choice. But also, I didn't care because everything else was so right. delightful that I was like, whatever. Right. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> okay, Ricky Lake. Thank you. Yeah. Two movies. Two, two, two movies. Two happily movies. Happening there. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but the things I liked about it, um, like I said, I love the chemistry. And actually, some of the dialogue had a little bite to it. And I I laughed. So like, so there was this one scene. Yes. And I actually had to rewind it. Because I'm like, did she really say that? And so they had an exchange. And they are, they being Charlie and Alma, they're going up in a mm-hmm. uh, a bucket lift. You know, a truck with the, or that has mm-hmm. a little bucket lift. Because they're looking at the tree, the big tree. And so uh, she's, they're putting on a harness so that they don't fall out of the bucket. Yes! Right? So I wrote it down. Yes. I wrote it down. Let me see. Where did I put it? Where did I put it? Oh. <laughs> so so Charlie says, like, almost putting on the harness on her so she doesn't fall out of the bucket truck. And uh, she says, I like a good harness to start the day. <laughs> I know. Then, I know. And then she tightens she it goes up tighter. and she says, tight enough for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes tighter oh and she God. goes, as tight as you can get. <laughs> I was like. Oh my god, no way did that just happen. We're watching porn now. I love it. Happening. I love it. So they had some really, I mean, they had the cutesy, you know, oh, you're Mm -hmm. so pretty. Oh, I I have never felt like this before. But then they had stuff like that. It's like, yes, that is up my alley. Because, you know, the innuendos are always there at a relationship, I think. You know, when you're getting to know somebody a little bit oh, better, yeah. there's always like, and there's yeah. the little giggling and like, you don't know how far to push it uh, and not go too far yeah. and not scare the shit out of them. So uh, I love that push and pull. So I really like that. And I love the gingerbread house competition. I mean, that right there tells you that this that movie, delightful. you should be watching this movie because there is a gingerbread competition. Wait, there is a cutthroat <laughs> gingerbread competition right. that's the thing to know this is no like we're gonna do this calmly no. and civilly it's like i'm surprised i'm i'm surprised that nobody actually got stabbed <laughs> right. during this it was, competition it was absolutely it was great it was it was a super cute fun movie and it was worth the two hours it took to watch it, um, or hour and a half, or however oh, long. Sure. It was just, it was adorable. And if you need something just uplifting, which I certainly need, that has like no stress levels, there's nothing bad about it, it's everything about it is good, then Under the Christmas Tree is for you. It was so cute. Yeah. There's one other thing I want to add, because I, I just want to yes and, and sure. yeah, everything yeah, you just said, because yeah. I love everything you said. The other aspect that I actually quite liked was Alma's parents, especially her dad. Her dad is played by Enrico Colantoni, and I've enjoyed him on most things I've seen him in. Like, he was in Just Shoot Me, like, what, 20 years ago or whatever, (laughs) but he played Veronica Mars' dad. yes. Like, he played the dad of Veronica Mars, and, like, he is so good at having chemistry with anyone he's Mm -hmm. working with. So, like, I believed that these people right. were family. And then the person who played her mom, I, I didn't love her because she's very like, no, we need to do everything the consultants say. And I'm like, is this a fucking consultant movie? <laughs> like, what is happening? But I thought, like, the two parents, I believed the chemistry between them. I believed the chemistry between them and their daughter. That she, Like, she, the mom was... And I kept saying, like, where have I seen this woman before? Like, her voice was so familiar. She's the mom from the Santa Claus series. Okay, yeah, I don't know about that. But, like, I literally... <laughs> I was just like flailing my little arms, like stop talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually, excuse me, I thought it was Debbie Harry for like a split second. I thought that person was Debbie Harry. Oh yeah, she looks. Yes. like she looks like Debbie Harry does now. Yeah, because she has white hair. But I thought too, like the the people that play the mom, like Alma and her mom, they actually look like they could be a mother yeah. daughter. Yeah, like their face, their face shapes, their features, whatever, looked similar enough. I was like, oh, way to go i would not have expected that like that 
yeah much chemistry that kind of every it all worked for me i could actually see myself watching this one again next year i feel like the only person that didn't have chemistry was ricky lake (laughs) because she wasn't supposed to be in that movie (laughs) yeah she was in a different movie movie that just kind of give me her romance movie yeah i'll take it i mean give me her she went from paris france to i think it was camden maine like town of 1500 that's the story we need that's the story that's the story we need you're right so it's a romance between ricky lake and camden (laughs) like some why 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 is she there there's a story there but that's for another movie what about you tara what is your official recommendation for the last episode of 2022 oh my goodness no pressure okay yes (laughs) i shouldn't put that much pressure on you but i didn't okay my recommendation is a novel, and it is The Christmas Catch by Claire Lydon. Mm. And I quite like Claire Lydon. I like to think of her as, she's kind of like the lesbian rom-com queen, especially at this point. Because I think in the UK in particular, they have this really, really great scene of rom-com novels in a way that isn't quite the same in the US, I don't think. Like in the US, you get more like actual romance novels, but not so many kind of on the comedic side. Mm -hmm. And this has really been sort of her sweet spot. And so I see Claire Lydon as writing kind of like the lesbian answers to say like Sophie Kinsella or Marianne Keys or those kinds of people. And thank goodness, because we need it. And like this book, (sighs) Chris, this book was so fucking cute. Like it was so cute. I believe you. It's to me like i there is nothing wrong with the blurb of that book that blurb is a very fine blurb it's close enough to the truth but the way i've been describing it to people including i was just talking about it with one of my best friends today is that it's like planes trains and automobiles except instead of two strangers it's two lesbians who grew up around each other (laughs) is kind of my take on it so Morgan Scott, Allie Bradford, they're both flying from Glasgow to Devon to spend Christmas with their families. When their plane has mechanical trouble, like they kind of, they, they, they meet each other on the plane again and do this like, oh, I haven't seen you in forever. The plane has mechanical trouble. So they decide they're going to make their own way down to Devon rather than wait to see if they can catch another flight at some time in time. It's only a few days before Christmas and they each have reasons why like it's really important to them to get there in time. So they get, this is not going to make any sense unless you read the book, but they get Mrs. Claus to drive them. Actually, I'll explain it. It's this sweet girl at the airport who thought all of her friends were going to show up and they were all supposed to be dressed as characters and she's there alone and she's kind of upset. And so they convince her like, okay, you know what? You need to go after this girl that you're in love with. You got to follow the path of true love. And what if you drive us (laughs) part of the way to where we're going? And she agrees, except... Something happens so that she's like, sorry, I can't take you as far as I said I was going to take you. I'm going to drop you at the service station. So they're like, well, fuck. What are we going to do? We're at the service station. Okay. And so they get a guy to drive them to a train station. And then they get on the train. And the train is going to take them to where this woman was supposed to drop them off so they could pick up a car that they've rented. Except, of course, the train breaks down. (laughs) And so now... They're stuck at this place where they they managed to rent Allie on her uh, on her cell phone because Morgan, of course, has lost her cell phone because this is one of those like everything, whatever yeah. can go wrong <laughs> is going to go wrong. Yeah, everything is going to go wrong. So Morgan doesn't even have her phone, but Allie manages to book them a room at a B and B. So they walk and they go, and it's like there's this Christmas festival going on. It's really lovely, but of course they get to the air, they get to the B and B, and of course there's only one bed naturally. <laughs> of course, one bad trope. Yes. And that's fine. That's fine. You know, they share the one bed and then they're kind of the 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 B&B owner, I think, drives them. Whatever. However it happens, they get to their rental car and then their rental car breaks down. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Partway there. So there's another one bed situation that <laughs> night at Allie's cousin's house. And so they're still like they're trying to get down De- and they eventually get to Devon. But here's the important detail. That I strategically waited until the end to tell you about. Morgan is Allie's childhood crush. Wow. Because Morgan and Allie's older sister were best friends growing up. So (laughs) it also turns out that that crush may not have stayed in childhood. 
And Morgan finally figures out that, oh, Allie's not just an annoying kid sister anymore and perhaps has a bit of a crush of her own. It was so fun. It sounds like it, it, yeah. I had had so much fun reading this book. It made me laugh. It made me smile. It's a very, very low-stress romance. There are a couple of potential obstacles in their way. Mm One of them, of course, is Morgan wondering if Allie's sister is going to be pissed at her once she figures out that, like, oh, maybe I am attracted to Allie. The other one I'm not going to get into because it's a spoiler and it's not really necessary, but it is interesting. And and I really appreciated how it was resolved because it was a kind of thing that, like, yeah, it is a big enough deal that perhaps things are not going to work out. Except, of course, I'm reading a romance novel. I know that there's going to be a happy ending (laughs) at the wall, of course. This book has one of the best first kisses Ah, I've read in a long time. And I think a lot of that has to do with the setting. Because I find that first kisses are always about the chemistry. Which, I mean, as they should be. And the chemistry is still good in this one. But in this case, it really brought the setting to bear in a way that was very, very interesting. And that I don't think I've quite seen anything like that before. So I really like that. It also has a very... Okay, do you remember... Do you remember when I talked about the delicate things we make? How I was like, and there's this, like, intensely sexy haircut. Like, what the fuck is with that? <laughs> yes, do I do. That? Like, yeah. And I saw other people talking about it online. Okay, so here's a line I never thought I would say in my life. This book has a surprisingly erotic gingerbread house decoration <laughs> scene. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I know probably sounds impossible, and yet I promise it's true. That's incredible. Yeah. So the whole book takes place over the course of a few days with an epilogue that jumps kind of a year in advance. Given that it's such a short amount of time, I wouldn't say that there's, like, any large character arcs or anything like that. I did not care. And I don't think it needed it because it was really like, I don't think you can have these like big sweeping large character arcs while you're also doing planes, trains, and right. automobiles. And in their case, also bicycles. Like there's <laughs> there's a tandem bike at one point in a snowstorm. Like what the fuck? These, what Claire Lydon put these poor women through was wild. And also thank you because it was <laughs> worth it. I'm going to say a thing. I think this might be Claire Lydon's best book. Wow. I know. And she's written a right. lot of books, a lot of really excellent books. And I've really enjoyed some of them. But this, mm. I enjoyed the most. I really, really loved it. And so if you're looking for, like, I know when this goes up, Christmas is going to be not too far away. If you're looking for a Christmas book to read, absolutely pick up this one. Like, let me scroll. Okay, absolutely pick up The Christmas Catch. It is well worth the time. Like, it's just, it's gentle. It's a warm hug. But like a warm, hilarious hug. <laughs> like, madcap hug. <laughs> it's so good. So, yeah. Good. That's my We one. have gingerbread. Both, both like, the gingerbread Olympics going on in both of our recommendations right? this time. Nice. I know. I know. I wasn't expecting that. But, hey, look at that. We tied them together. <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> That is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you'll know whenever we release an episode. Like I said before, if you have a friend who you think would like the show, please tell them about it. And if you'd like to support us, we have links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links on the show notes for that too. Or you can just search for Clearly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, again, if it's still around, or email us at queerly pod- <laughs> <laughs> or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.
New Year. Yeah, I still can't believe Twitter hasn't fallen down yet. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Woo! Uh, Happy New Year. There's this one video mm-hmm. of our youngest when she was probably, gosh, three. And I was trying to get her to say Happy New Year. I can't remember if I was, like, if I meant to send the video to somebody or if I was just posting it to Facebook. I think it ended up on Facebook. And I said, let's, like, say Happy New Year. And she says, I love you. And I look at her. I'm like, I love you. And she's like, I love you. (laughs) And then I finally said, Happy New Year. And finally, she said Happy New Year. So now that's the dorkiest thing in our family is that uh, we'll say, I love you. I love you. Happy New Year. It's mostly Neil and I doing it. but <laughs> That's sweet. That's adorable. Yeah. Yeah. So Happy New Year, everybody. We love Yay, you. Happy New Year. <laughs> if this makes it in the final cut. <laughs> I don't know that it will. 